Happy Champ Series, everybody. Welcome to the D1 Softball Podcast presented by S2 Cognition. I'm Gray Robertson. That is Tara Henry. We were in the same city like four days ago, but now we're many, many miles apart. Tara, how are you? I'm great. Uh, day off yesterday or off day uh, for everybody. We still did some media stuff, but gosh, just can't think of a better place to be right now uh, in Oklahoma City getting ready for this championship series. Yeah, say, I mean, I'm at the lake, but still, I am also getting ready for the champ series. And we've got so much that we're going to cover here on the D1 Softball Podcast. And I, I think it's just fitting, Tara, that we get back to the regularly scheduled format and start things off with the leadoff. So... I mentioned it's the champ series. I haven't mentioned who's playing. That's Oklahoma and Florida state starting tonight. Uh, we could potentially have a national champion by, I don't know, nine o'clock central time on Thursday. This could go three and go to Friday, but Tara, before we dive into that matchup, we'll look at how we got here. And it's been an interesting women's college world series. I, I think that some of the results have uh, maybe, I think in terms of who wins kind of gone the way I've thought, but the games have been a little bit all over the place. You know, I, I have to agree with you, Gray. I think uh, we were expecting some really close matchups. We got maybe a, a few, but uh, and other than that, uh, it, it has been an interesting women's college world series and anybody that's watching, uh, you can't not talk about Nigel Kennedy and the Stanford Cardinal and what they were able to do this season. And I think that's one of the biggest stories coming out of the Women's College World Series. And of course, someone that you're close with, uh, the incredible career of Montana Fouts. So those are the two biggest things that have stuck out to me uh, before we get obviously into the championship series. But I think it was almost um, a, just a, a time when Montana was walking down the line. I can't even speak because I'm trying to get emotional about it. When Montana was walking uh, to actually shake Nigel's uh, hand, it was kind of a changing of the guard. And I think that was really, really special. Uh, I don't know if anybody else noticed it, but I, it was the next person coming in uh, to be the star at the Women's College World Series. And uh, again, can't say enough about Montana Fouts in her career and what she's been to this sport. But those are my two biggest uh, takeaways uh, from thus far. I think that you could draw a lot of parallels. Montana's run her freshman year in the World Series and the run that Kennedy made here this year and, and even by opponent. Remember, Montana's freshman year, Oklahoma won the opening game of the World Series and then Montana came back and won a game against the Sooners before Alabama was eliminated. Uh, you could argue that that Kennedy pitched well enough in relief in that semifinal game to win against Oklahoma the other day, but they just couldn't get the timely hit, which is one of the things that you have to have in the postseason. I think candy for sure has been a story uh, looking at the bottom half of the bracket. I want to make sure that we also shouted out Bailey Klingler, whose career ended in OKC and man, one of the, one of the most consistent bats that Washington has had uh, in a very long time. And, and a player that was so fun to watch from the beginning of her career at Texas A&M all the way out to Seattle and, uh, another player who who's going to be missed in the game. Oh, absolutely. And another incredible human being, right? Like we're talking about these women in the game that are not, are not only talented uh, on the field, but just great 
humans off the field. And again, yes, congratulations to Bailey Klinger uh, on her career. Plenty of careers, uh, you know, are, have ended at the Women's College World Series. And I, I don't know that you can argue that's a better place to end your career. Uh, and I think that's been a really cool part of it. And got to give top tip our caps to Utah. What an incredible run, Amy Hogue and that squad to make it to the Women's College World Series. Tough break there having to play. Uh, two games in one day. Uh, I think, you know, various teams have gone through some tough breaks at the Women's College World Series, but that was tough on the Utes, uh, not being able to to use Lopez in that second game. And uh, But I can't say enough about that team and, and a team that just a year ago didn't qualify for the, the NCAA tournament to then be uh, in Oklahoma City at the end. Uh, again, congratulations to Utah and that squad. Yeah, and also a shout-out to Tennessee as well, whose year came to an end. Uh, Ashley Rogers finally gets to pitch in OKC. Didn't pitch against Oklahoma. Maybe we'll dive into that at some <laughs> point. Uh, still confused. But uh, it was really good to see her get an opportunity on the biggest stage. And that's a Tennessee team that, outside of Rogers brings back pretty much everybody. So I know once the season's over, we'll look at what next year could potentially look like. But Tennessee's not going anywhere, and now they've got World Series experience. Absolutely. Hats off to Tennessee. Uh, we can get into that pitching decision in a little bit here, Gray, but also Oklahoma State. What a turnaround for the Cowgirls, for for that squad, which we saw go on a, a losing um, streak, you say, at, at one point. For them to turn it around and really come together as a team, uh, Kelly Maxwell, Alexi Kilfoyle, Kyra Aycock in the circle. And then that offense, which was struggling to score some runs uh, with Rachel Becker at the top there and Kylie Naomi, those two really stepping up uh, and Morgan went as well. So congratulations to the Cowgirls and on advancing back to the Women's College World Series. Uh, and I think that's that's the rest of the squads. That Are we missing anybody, Gray, other than your... I, I don't think so. I did I did see this question pop up and I wanted to address it. Uh, Oh. Are Vodder and Kiki not coming back uh, with them reading their letter to softball? Uh, as far as I know, yes. I, I also I sent that in the group chat earlier today. I thought that was really odd that Kiki read the letter. Uh, as far as I know, it's uh, a tradition to have departing seniors read those. But but Kiki said a couple weeks ago that she was coming back to Tennessee, and I assumed Vodder would be as well um, if she's not out of eligibility. So I've. I was a little bit, I, I know that that might've freaked some people out, but I'm fairly confident I'm gonna, that, uh, <laughs> he's coming back for sure. Yeah. I'm going to say y'all are reading into this. I think we've got, we've been asked this question a lot. I think those are just letters uh, to the sport of softball. I, I would be very surprised if those two uh, aren't coming back. In fact, I'm pretty positive they are coming back. I think those are just, that's just content uh, for the NCAA uh, and incredible content, but I would, I believe both Kiki and, uh, of Otter coming back uh, this next season. So I would not worry about that. Yeah, it was, I mean, it threw me off too. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I was like, Ashley Rogers is done. Why are they not using her? But whatever, that's fine. Okay, <laughs> let's let's dive into the question that I haven't asked in a while, mm. Tara, because actually typically we've been in the same place, mm. but we're not now. So we'll go ahead and do it for the sake of the podcast. Where in the world is Tara Henry? Okay, so I want to I want to preface this by saying Tara is presently at one of my favorite locations <laughs> in Oklahoma City. I won't reveal it on the pod, so some of y'all don't track her down. But Tara, you've been at the World Series all week. What's it been like this time around? Oh, it's incredible. I, I you know I just feel so lucky and fortunate to 
be able to be here and be able to cover this sport because just being able to be a part of the Women's College World Series, to see the stories, to see the women who have stepped on the field for the first time, to feel to hear, hear the joy in their voices of just being a part of something this big is just been, uh, you know, every year it gets better and better. It's bigger. Uh, there's just fans everywhere. It's difficult to get in and out of the stadium at this point. I think we're almost busting at the seams there at Hall of Fame Stadium and just again, incredible to cover these athletes and every year, year in and year out, just incredible stories across the board. So yes, in Oklahoma city, getting ready to head on over to the hall of fame stadium here in a couple hours, going to get there early and see if we can maybe jump around some, some fun Florida state and Oklahoma tailgates, just try and get some content to see what they're all up to today. Uh Oh, just hey, I I'm I tried to do that last year, trying to eat the food, and nobody had food. So my recommendation is, if Tara comes around, <laughs> give her food. <laughs> it's very easy. Bring food to the tailgate and give it away. It's very nice. Sounds good. Tara, to, sounds good. I love it, Greg. Oh, Thank you. For sure. And, and you know, I think of the same thing too. You know, I was I was there in a different capacity this year. I was with Alabama. I was doing my Alabama job, and it. It really, I mean, it really is just the, the mecca of college softball. And when you walk in, it's it's a little overwhelming. And even when Alabama lost, and I was doing the emotional post game, and everybody knows how those broadcasts end every year, I was still thinking, like, man, I'm I'm so glad to be here in this place because there really is there really is nothing better than the women's college world series. And Oklahoma City has bought in so much. Now that being said, there are a lot of things that we can fix about the infrastructure of a stadium. And maybe we'll talk about that later, but in the moment, it it means the world to, to everybody who gets to gets to attend, gets to cover a team, gets to cover the sport, gets to play in that stadium. And uh, I, I feel, I felt honored just to even be there as well. And again, it, it gets bigger and bigger every year and it does feel bigger this year. Uh, it was practically sold out at 11 a.m. local time for uh, the OU Stanford game. And I know it, it didn't look like it at the beginning, but as that game got well into the middle of the first inning, uh, it was tough to find a seat there. So just shows you the growth of our sport, just shows you uh, how incredible these athletes are. And again, can't think of just – a better place and a better platform for women. Uh, and I hope it just, this is just the start of it. And I hope it continues to grow not only here in division one, but into our pro pro softball leagues as well, because uh, these, de- these women deserve it uh, and they are incredible athletes. So hopefully this is just a start. So we know that USA softball hall of fame stadium is going to be popping tonight for the champ series as Oklahoma faces off with Florida state. And that'll lead us into another segment that typically has us bring a guest on, but it's going to just be a concept and anything else that happens (laughs) in this part of the show will be the cleanup hitter concept because our cleanup hitter is the champ series itself. And we do have a guest that will be joining us in just a moment. Uh, Nicole Mendez will be previewing Florida State and Oklahoma. In fact, she just hopped on, so maybe she'll join (laughs) us right now. But the the entire Champ Series 
is the cleanup hitter to me, Tara. And and we'll dive into it with Nicole in just a moment. But this is a champ series I'm really excited for. Uh, we have a little bit of evidence from this year that we should see a competitive game between Oklahoma and Florida State. And the Seminoles possess some of the tools that could potentially, again, I want to make sure I don't get in trouble with Sooner Twitter, potentially <laughs> give Oklahoma some issues you don't want to get in trouble with sooner twitter it's like like the best thing not again (laughs) not again uh you're right gray i do i do think they have the tools and uh it's it's going to shape up to be an incredible series and i just i'm not surprised that these are the two that are left standing i think we've been talking about both all season long so it's no surprise that we're going to see oklahoma and florida state here in the championship series all right let's talk about it with a former sooner you probably heard her uh, multiple places during the postseason on the ESPN Family of Networks. You can see her coming up this summer with Athletes Unlimited. It is Nicole Mendez. Hello, Nicole. How are you? Hey, guys. How are y'all? <laughs> We're wonderful. Are you Are you as excited for tonight and these next three nights potentially as we are? Oh, my gosh. I, I'm so pumped. All the OU girls that are here at AU right now, we've made a group text we're (laughs) planning on watching it together i was like should i invite jesse warren like should we make it an ou florida state thing i don't know but yes you should (laughs) and you should film it ask ou twitter i don't know (laughs) oh my god please ask them i love it so any you are in rosemont right now correct i am i left i left oklahoma city yesterday no two days ago And as I was driving down, I was listening to the OU Stanford game, and I had to pull over on my drive from Oklahoma City to Rosemont, Chicago. And for 30 minutes, I was just locked into my phone. I was like speeding unintentionally whenever something would happen. I was like, this is dangerous. I pulled over. Shane Knighton and I were texting. I was texting Sid. I was texting Joss. It was absolutely crazy. (laughs) Hey, I don't know. We've got a dog that is joining us, I think. Um, me. Yeah. Minor, uh, <laughs> minor away. It's normally mine. That's what I was like, is right here? <laughs> uh, so, Nicole, I want to talk to you about that. You've watched this team all season long. Obviously, you're part of the Sooners. What makes them so uh, effective? What makes them able to win these close games? And we've saw that, we saw them be tested not only against Clemson, but here against Stanford. Yeah, I just think it – it's the ability to be so well-rounded and so consistent in all areas. You see teams that are really good. Stanford, really great team. Kennedy, obviously, like, I, I think she's been the highlight of the World Series, at least to me. But there's been some mistakes that they've made defensively, I think, in the first game against OU. And then just one through nine, the lineup, like, how that's going. So I, I think what – what stands out to me is just the complete one through nine, the complete defensive angle, the complete pitching staff. That's what I like to see in a team. And whenever you're that way as a team, you don't lose. So um, I think it's going to be a good matchup. 
Yeah, and that's a big reason why I love as well, because Florida State for so long has been that team that you just know is sound. You know that their defense is going to be good. You know that they're going to put pressure on you on the bases. You know that the pitching is going to be solid. So I don't know how you feel, but I feel like Florida State, at least in some ways, kind of mirrors what Oklahoma is able to accomplish top to bottom. Maybe not necessarily with the power numbers, of course, but in terms of how they get it done. Oh, absolutely. And with Florida State, they I think they're more aggressive on the bases in Oklahoma. And I think they don't have the same power numbers. But I think sometimes and OU Twitter, don't come for me. I'm a Sooner <laughs> through and through. But I, I do think sometimes OU as an offense, when things are struggling to get going, they don't rely on the short game. You don't see them get those singles and get another single. They, they celebrate everything for sure, Oklahoma does. But I think what Florida State has going in their advantage is they're not waiting for that long ball. If they get somebody on, they will bunt somebody over. They will do that versus Oklahoma. I haven't seen that a lot from them, from this year's team. And the Women's College World Series, I want to get your take on it, obviously as a player and then now covering it. What is the greatest thing about being uh, at the Women's College World Series and the Championship Series as well? Man, I was just thinking about that as I was logging on and the World Series just in general, it's grown so much. And I think one of my favorite things was whenever I go out there, I'm like, man, like this many people want to come watch softball. And whenever I was on the field, I would just take it in. Like I would literally remind myself, okay, at least one game, you have to give yourself a moment where you just kind of like look around and just be like, man, this is really cool. Because I feel like sometimes you're so in the game that you don't acknowledge it. But I think that's something that has grown every year. So for these athletes, I know they feel that presence, whether you're Oklahoma, whether you're Florida State, both of them have been there. So they, they're not like in that, oh my gosh, this is so new, so shiny. They're experienced, they're comfortable playing on this stage. And they can just bring it all in. But also, I mean, this is where the big time moments happen. Like you see people clutch up. You see maybe somebody who hasn't delivered all year just absolutely deliver. Somebody who's been so consistent just go to a whole other level. I love watching that. I loved being that athlete. I loved playing with those athletes. I love playing against those athletes. So the World Series for me is just um, – reality heightened it's just a whole nother level it's like unlocked potential for me it's just the best of the best and I I really do think that this is what this championship series is going to be because it's not just one game but it's a best two or three so I I think Florida State's going to give Florida Oklahoma a good run I think Oklahoma will give Florida State a good game and it'll be a really good two or three series Nicole Mendez joining us here on the D1 Softball Podcast. Nicole, as a as a former hitter, uh, I, I wanted, or well, I guess, and still pro hitter, I wanted to get your take on uh, on the pitching like, matchup. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. Uh, still, still hitting, still kicking it at AU. I'm still um, kicking it. I'm like still kicking it. I don't know. But, but softball years. When when you watch Jordy Ball and Cat Sandercock, uh, they have been in particular really really difficult to hit in this post. Uh, they haven't been shut down the entire year, but it seems like that they have given their best in the biggest moments thus far this year. What do you feel ha- has made them so tough to touch, especially in the NCAA tournament? 
one mentality. I, I think that's something that as pitchers, you have to have a really tough mentality because there's really good pitchers who do great all year long and they get to postseason and they they get hit hard. They, they don't do as well. And one, yeah, you're playing better competition as you head into the final rounds of the tournament. But also, two, the pressure's on you. The pressure to hit those spots, to have that movement, to hold down the fort for your team the pitchers that have tougher mindsets, those are the ones that typically do well in postseason. So I think both of them have great, great mindsets. But also, I mean, Sander Cock and Jordy are very, very different pitchers. And I think that's what makes them so great is they don't try to be anybody else. They know what works for them. And they say, okay, well, this is my best thing. How can I, how can I enhance that? What is something that aids that, assists that, and how can I make it a little bit better? I think Sandra Cox, that hitter, she knows she's not going to pitch as hard as Jordy Ball, but she's like, I'm just going to make these hitters just want to swing at these pitches, and then I'm going to put one just a little bit lower, like that much lower. And I was talking to Mia Davison and Shannon Sell, we were working out this morning, and we were saying, like, man, she's that hitter that you're like, oh, it's right there, and then you swing, and it's just a little bit lower. And you miss hit it, and you're like, dang, like she frustrates you as a hitter, and she gets into your head, and that's half of their her game versus Jordy. She knows how to kind of go away, away, and then come back in on lefties, or go in, 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 and then away on righties. We saw a little bit of that with Stanford, but they're just very smart, and they know what pitches they want to throw and what situation, and they're very in control of where their balls are going. And Nicole, obviously you have been around OU's program, been a part of it, and no Coach Gasso and no JT. What's it like as a hitter to be in that dugout, and how how are those offensive plans formed? Uh, did you sit? Did you sit down with JT? Are you talking to Coach Gasso? How does that work in the dugout, and and how are those adjustments made throughout the game and from game through game? Yeah, it's really cool to see. JT kind of work in that element because if you know JT he's a big goofball like he's goofy and whenever he's in hitting mode though like it's a completely different person and it's really cool to see him present to you hey this is what I've seen from this team this is what our staff has come up with and this is our plan and he is so well prepared for any situation she typically does this, but just in case she does this, we're going to do this. And in case she does this, we're going to do this. And in case they throw this picture, we're going to be ready for this. And it he prepares himself for success in any type of situation, any type of scenario. I think that's why whenever you go to Oklahoma as a hitter, there is so much that you learn. But you learn how to anticipate and you learn how to feel the game. Um, I talk a lot about pitchers how there's really great pitchers who just throw the ball. Like the coach will call signs and they'll just throw the pitch wherever. And then there's other hitters who are pitchers who I think of like Rachel Garcia or Jordy Ball or Sandercock who are aware of what the hitter is feeling, where they're in the box and they respond to that accordingly. That's the kind of hitter that JT Gasso creates. He makes them aware of what are you feeling? Do you think she's going to be throwing this? This might be your plan, but if you have a gut feeling, trust it as a hitter. So he gives you a lot of freedom 
early on in the season to kind of experience that, ask him questions. So by the time you get to the World Series, you're talking with all the lefties, you're talking with all the righties, and you know, okay, I I have plans A through Z. I'm sticking with plan D today. But if that doesn't work, you know I'm going to come in and relay that to you. That's just constant communication, not just with JT and the hitters, because, I mean, that's hard for one guy to spread that to a whole nine, much less pinch hitters. But it's much easier whenever it's, one hitter talking to another hitter talking to another hitter. The whole dugout is in. Sometimes you even get feedback from Coach Rocha, and she'll be watching and she'll be saying, like, hey, I noticed this pattern or things like that. Last thing for me, Nicole, you just talked about what it's like working with the coaches. Uh, what is what is today like? It's a long uh, wait to first pitch of game one of a champ series. Okay, I'm. I have mixed feelings about it. It's such a long wait, and I'm so <laughs> impatient. I'm like, I just want this game to be here already, but I have to give a little head nod. And I think Oklahoma and Florida State have earned this seven o'clock slot. I think it's huge because that is prime time. I think back to the last time they matched up, my senior year in 2021. We were playing at two in the afternoon, and I mean, we got beat by Florida State and it was hot and I was mad and I was kidding me so maybe this first game one will be a little bit better now that they're starting at seven I don't know but I think it's really cool to see okay yeah in 2021 that wasn't the case the timing wise but it's gotten better the time slots are more prime time and I think both these teams deserve it I mean they're excellent well coached well played they just they play the game with passion. They play the game just just grinders, both sides. So I think it's going to be a battle. I'm, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I love it. Well, Nicole, where when when does AU start? Where can we find AU? I know that you're in Rosemont getting ready to go. Uh, can you tell everybody where to watch and when to watch and, and what to look forward to with AU? Yeah, it is so cool what AU is doing. We're kind of piggybacking off of the World Series and – We'll be starting up. Ooh, we'll be starting up here next week, and we're gonna have just fast and furious games back to back to back. So it won't just be on the weekends; it'll be on weekdays. We'll have Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, all throughout. So you can go to au.com, athletesunlimited.com, and you can find the softball schedule there, and you can see it. But you can watch it on ESPN. So there's gonna be a lot on ESPN, ESPNU, ESPN two. It'll tell you right next to the schedule what the game is going to be aired on. But I think it's so cool that the fan base that gets to watch this amazing college event can also transition into watching AU play, the professionals play. And I just think that's so great the way ESPN set that up. Because if you're like me, whenever you're a fan, you're like, oh, man, there's nothing else to watch. You're like, just kidding. You can keep watching softball. You, you don't have to end it. So it's good. It's good summer plans. Yeah. And last thing, if you do watch it, just turn on your TV, turn on your phone, turn on your iPad, whatever. The more views, the better, the more that we're going to get coverage for the sport. So that's the biggest thing. Amen. Absolutely. And <laughs> I know I can't wait to watch it all summer long. I know I can't wait to watch uh, game one tonight. We're going to have a cookout. It's going to be awesome. Oh, my uh, and- gosh. 
Oh yeah. And Nicole, uh, I know that we really enjoyed having the chance to chat with you here on the show. Thank you so much for hopping on with us. Yeah. Thank you guys for joining me or joining you. Let me join you. I love it. You're you're welcome. We're going to go. You got it. All right, guys. So now here we are. Thank you guys. You guys have a good day. Thanks, Nicole. I love it. Oh man, why are we even still here? We got Nicole. Nicole's gonna do the rest of the show. Yeah, I mean, she could totally handle it. I'm totally fine with it. I'm sure it would would run smoothly. Let's do it. All right, so uh, we're not going to do a top 25 Q and A because we don't have an updated top 25, uh, and I think it's crazy to update top 25s mid postseason. Um, But we will answer some of your questions about the women's college world series and the champ series as we continue on with our preview. So Tara, what's the best place to ask a question about the upcoming matchup or what we've already seen? Absolutely. So if you are not on YouTube, head on over to our YouTube channel, D1 softball's YouTube channel, or, or you can head on over to Facebook. We'll be able to see both of those comments on there, but YouTube is the best place for us to be able to see all of your questions. So if you're on Twitter right now, I would head on over to our YouTube channel if you would like to ask us a question, and we'll try and get you up here uh, before the show is over here at the top of the hour. Yeah, and we've already got one that I'll flash. We can discuss it. Uh, from John, question with the eye test, isn't Kennedy the best player in softball? Tara, what say you? You know, I would say that she was the most dominant pitcher or player uh, in the Women's College World Series. And I think there was a lot of chatter about her not being an All-American. She did not uh, She did not make the requirements to be an All-American through the NFCA. And I think if she had thrown, what was it, Gray, like point, another inning or two, she would have made. It was uh, close. Yeah, like, yeah, less than an inning or something. And, yes, you'd argue she is the best pitcher in college softball right now. I, I think we – we're going to hit get some comments from OU fans and Jordy Ball. You can't you can't dismiss what Jordy's done as well, uh, quietly going through and and slicing and dicing opposing offenses. So uh, you take a look at Jordy Ball and you look at that head to head, and Jordy won that matchup. But you can't can't argue that what Kennedy was able to do and how she sat that OU offense down that she's one of the best, if not the best pitcher in the country right now. I, I couldn't agree more. I still think if we're talking overall player, I I I mean. I've been on the Kiki train since like February that, that she's the best player, the best all around player in college softball. And uh, I know that world series, why she didn't have an overwhelming statistical uh, weekend, but still the, the sample size from the entire year says a lot. And I think that I still think it's crazy. The Kiki wasn't a top three finalist for player of the year, but you know what? I'm not voting for that. So I will, if you want me to, but whoever, whoever decides that, but I'm currently not a voter. Well, and congratulations to Valerie Cagle on winning player of the year. Uh, you can't argue that she does it on both sides of the ball and she is an, an incredible softball player. Uh, so in terms of pitcher, I would say Kennedy is best pitcher in the country. Uh, in terms of player, I think you could make an argument for Kiki Malloy. I think you could make an argument for Valerie Cagle uh, and Skylar Wallace as well. I think you're you're looking at all those. Um, and Maya Brady, who is up for player of the year. But if we're looking at the entire season, uh, I do, you know, how I feel about Kiki Malloy, Gray. You, you know, I'm a huge Kiki Malloy fan. So uh, I think that was tough, but she was in the top three. Uh, well, heading into the Women's College World Series. 
All right. So keep asking questions. I'm getting comments. I want questions. Can't answer a comment. <laughs> so send a question uh, on the YouTube or on the Facebook and we'll, we'll flash it up as we continue to preview Oklahoma, Florida state coming up tonight, Tara. Yeah, let's take a look. So we're going to wait for everybody to, to start a asking questions after the comments go through. Let's take a look at Jordy Ball and what she did against uh, Florida State when they met earlier this season. It's the second video, Gray, if you want to grab that uh, on the graphics clips. We're going to take a look at Jordy Ball here. Yeah, and I, I think uh, just a reminder, this was a game that Oklahoma won in a midweek 5-4 to four over Florida State. It was a wonderful game in Norman, and uh, we did see some of Jordy Ball and Kat Sandercock. Yeah, and so uh, just before we run this, just thanks to our friend Synergy uh, for allowing us to pull this video. But I think this will give you an idea of how Jordy attacked the Florida State hitters, like Gray said, uh, just a couple months ago. Got her swinging. Strikeout. And got her. Was a bit of an issue being consistent. We're watching Jordy take that same approach, and what a pitch over this game. Swing and a miss, and. Strike three called. Tara, what's your read on that, what what you saw from Ball? And I, I do want to point out, she came on in relief in that game. Alex Duraco got the start, but Jordy Ball slammed the door. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you take a look at those clips, you can just see how effective Jordy Ball is. And that's why we wanted to pull them so that you, all the viewers could take a look at, at how she actually attacked uh, the Florida State offense. And she can do it with everything. She can obviously go up in the zone. She throws the off speed. She's going out. She's going in. So why she's so effective is she can hit all parts of the zone. And we saw it right there. And it's just difficult to hit off because you don't really know what's coming. Uh, the off speed down low, low and out. Uh, the rise up and in, up and out. So Jordy, so effective. Uh, and we just showed those six Ks that she had uh, just earlier in the season. And Again, tough to go up against Jordy Ball on uh, uh, any day, but that gives you an idea of how she went after those Florida State hitters. Yeah, I, I mean, I was on the air during that game, so I didn't get to watch it live, but I went back and watched some of it uh, way back in March, and it was really impressive how Jordy, I, I think, pitched up to that point quite clearly her best game of the year and how she has continued to carry that on since then. Also uh, worth noting, and we'll show some Kat Sandercock clips here in a minute, but Florida State threw four arms in that game, and Oklahoma had 13 hits. So earlier I talked about how Florida State has some of the things that could present some issues to Oklahoma, just the formula itself, and I still think that's true. But we've already seen Lonnie kind of mix and match things and maybe even get a bearing on who she trusts to come on tonight if it's not Sandercock, if somebody needs to come in and get two two or three outs. And uh, it, I mean, everybody kind of got touched up a bit when they met earlier this year. Yeah, so you're right, Gray. So through four arms in the circle, Sandercock threw to 10 batters, Reed faced six, Dubois first faced seven, and Royalty faced nine batters. So four different arms face that offense and I think that was really key because I believe Florida State went there to see what matched 
uh, were the best against OU, well knowing and preparing to today, right? So Lonnie looking ahead uh, and and preparing her staff and her squad to get to the end and face an Oklahoma team that, quite frankly, no one's been able to really figure out, Gray. And we've seen this for the past couple of years here. They're going for a three-peat. So I do think that it was strategic in that Florida State did travel the country uh, to play the best of the best, including OU, and to gather data on on uh, that pitching staff and, and their hitters. Uh, when we take a look at Florida State earlier on, Kerr and Dak both had home runs uh, for the Seminoles. So we did talk about the lack of power, but they still lead the country in doubles. So you, you can't right. tell me that that Florida State can't slug. They can slug. But what they can do is they are a complete offense, and I think Mendy touched on it earlier. They do it all. They put the ball in play. They can bunt. They can run. They can hit and run. They go first to third. Uh, they'll score from first. They're really aggressive on the base pass. They'll try and steal home. They'll delay steal. So that is my favorite thing about the Florida State offense is they do it all. They don't rely on the long ball. Now, do they have the long ball? Of course. Uh, and Michaela Edmondfield, we saw her hit one out uh, earlier this champ series. That was just a no-doubter uh, off the bat. So they can do it all. And I think we're seeing difference is in the way you run an offense uh, when you look at Florida State and you look at Oklahoma. Totally agree. And and I do want to dive into a question that we got in just a moment, but I want to make sure that we showed some of the Sander Cock versus OU clip. We, we won't play the entirety of it, but I did want to I did want to flash a little bit so everybody could see some of what the Sooners hitters were looking at uh, when Sander Cock was in the circle earlier this year. Taking that pitch on the inner half. This one hit in the air to medium deep. Right field and Kaylee Harding takes care of it. Coming in. Yeah, and we every pitch we've seen in this at bat has been a curveball, and there's another one. And it's rolled to third. Hartley's peg is in time to gone. And that in the air to straightaway center. Mudge makes the catch, and the inning is over. So Sandercock pitches around the two out. This one rifled back up the middle, so unable to catch that pop-up. And Brito makes the Seminoles pay with a base hit. In on the hands, a one-hopper toward Hartley, and they will get the out as Flaherty stays on the back. So you can kind of see what Oklahoma was putting in play, Tara. They were all very similar pitches. Whoops. Sorry, 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 was on mute. But uh, again, I think what Mendy said earlier, she's she doesn't she's not going to overpower you, and she's not going to throw as hard as Doherty, but she will work the ball down in the zone. Uh, we did see them some hit some drops. I don't think that the the ball that was hit was a curveball. I do think it was a drop. Um, but she will work the ball down in the zone. She will go up. She will change speeds. But again, she's so effective because she's so smart and learning where to attack hitters. She did go into Coleman. I don't know if you saw that, that gray, she did go in on her hands and jam her a bit. So uh, I do think that Sandra Cock is so crafty. She's so effective because she can throw to all parts of the zone and she can mix speeds. Uh, but you know, she does live down in the zone, which historically uh, has been a little bit of a trouble for uh, OU, but you can see they can drop the barrel and go with it as well, but no strikeouts for Sandra Cock. So again, they're going to put the ball in play and the defense is going to have to be sharp because she does roll up a lot of ground balls. She doesn't do some fly balls, but the defense is going to have to be sharp for the Seminoles. All right. I like this question. 
Who will be the key players for the final series uh, and not a pitcher? So, I mean, we've talked a lot about Sander Cock and Ball. Uh, I I think for, well, you start. You you give me one for the Sooners and then I'll trade and then we'll do Florida State. Okay. I know that I just have jumped on the Riley Boone uh, fan club uh, and I'm just going to stay there. Uh, because she is the nine hitter. And I do think she's really important uh, for that lineup because she turns that lineup back over to Jada Coleman. Uh, and we've seen that at the top of the lineup, we saw Stanford walk Jada Coleman to get to TRE Jennings. I mean, I don't know how, I don't know what you do there. I think that's a really difficult decision on who you face, but I do think Riley Boone, if she can get on base and turn that lineup over, she's going to be pivotal for the Sooners and making sure that they, they get the, some runs on the board uh, if they have trouble that first time through the lineup. Uh, that would be on the OU side. I'm going with Riley Boone. Uh, on Florida State, it's going to be Mudge. I, I think Mudge is, is a catalyst for the Seminoles. She obviously led uh, the Women's College World Series with 14 hits in 2021. Uh, I think if we see Mudge get it done and – and make sure she gets that offense going. I was going to pick Muffley because Muffley does some crazy things. You can have Muffley, Gray. Um, but uh, I think it's going to, we're going to key to non non pitcher is going to be Muff, or to Mudge. All right. For Oklahoma, I'm going to say it's Alyssa Brito. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to throw it back to Madison Shipman's analysis from Supers about how Brito's swing is tailor-made for the drop ball, for low in the zone. And you're going to get a lot of that from Kat Sandercock. Now, she can go up as well. She certainly worked on that rise ball over the years, but uh, her drop is her bread and butter. And I think that this could potentially be a good matchup for Brito. We'll see. I I think we should pinpoint that in that matchup earlier this year, Alyssa Brito against Florida State went three for four. So she has had success against the Knowles this year. For Florida State, I'm going to go with my my girl, my friend, Devin Flaherty. (laughs) Uh, who has seemed like uh, essentially the second leadoff hitter right there in the middle of the order. She's so fast. She leads the team in stolen bases. She's been hitting it really well in the World Series, really well in the NCAA tournament. And she can be the catalyst for the back of the order. We know that Mudge is going to do that for the top half. But the bottom of the Florida State order has been finding ways just to get timely hits, to get clutch hits. And it all starts with, I think, somebody setting the table, and that person is going to be Devin Flaherty. Florida State is not going to win any of the games against Oklahoma if all the hits come from one through four. They've got to get stuff from the bottom half, and in particular, they've got to get Devin Flaherty on base to allow the bottom half of the order to get hits that have a scoring impact on the game absolutely and and we got to talk about the squeeze play with muffley literally squeeze like the ball's on the ground and she gets that that squeeze play down that bunt down so it's going to be like that they're gonna that offense is going to just scrap scrap be really scrappy uh fight claw do anything they can uh to score a run and i think that's why they're exciting to watch um obviously on the flip side oh you hits the long ball uh they have a ton of power which is also exciting to watch but Two different, very different uh, defense or offenses here that we're going to see in this champ series. So thank you for the questions. You can send some more in if you want. We might answer them. But it's now time, Tara, to highlight the players who have blown us away. It's time for our not not of even though that's what the graphic (laughs) says, but our podcast players of OKC.
And time is just a construct in postseason softball. It doesn't make any sense. What day of the week is it? Who's to say? Tara, who is your podcast player of OKC? I mean, it, it's plain and simple. I think anybody that's watching the Women's College World Series cannot deny that Nyjah Kennedy uh, was incredible to watch uh, here in Oklahoma City uh, for her as a freshman to come out. And it's funny. Everyone's like, oh, well, she lost, you know, she had two losses. I hear you. I get. But if you watch those games, uh, how she was able to attack opposing offenses, just simply incredible. And I've got to tip my cap to Jessica Allister and that staff uh, because they were so smart and so effective in using Kennedy throughout the season. She did get some rest. Uh, She was out for almost a couple three weeks. She didn't throw against a lot of teams. And that was strategy uh, because she didn't want opposing offenses to to have a look at her. And I can tell you there were some hitters that have faced Kennedy this week that have said to me, like, that is a, that is the toughest pitcher uh, I've ever faced. So if you're getting that from people in the, in the actual batter's box uh, telling you that she is the most difficult uh, pitcher they've ever faced, I I think that's saying something. And I think uh, the future is bright for Nigel Kennedy and the Stanford Cardinal and what a pleasure to watch them. Uh, not only in this postseason, but the Women's College World Series. I'm going with Josie Muffley. <laughs> How could you not? The former hockey player, the soon-to-be firefighter, and the Bulldog over at short, making great defensive plays, always seems to come up with, uh, with a big hit and a big moment at down of a nine spot. And I think uh, the battle of the nine spots could be very telling in this champ series with Josie Muffley versus Riley Boom, but uh, I've been blown away by just the toughness and the grit and the tenacity of Josie Muffley throughout her career, but especially this year in the Women's College World Series, and she is my podcast player of OKC. Oh, you know I love that, Cray. She's she's just incredible to watch. What an athlete. Just an incredible athlete. Uh, and again, I do I agree with you. I think those two, uh, watching Boone and Muffley, is going to be key to how both of these teams do heading into this championship series. All right, the big thing is the champ series, but we're going to give you three keys in three big things. Here's how it's going to go. I'll give a key, Tara will give a key, and then we will give a joint key. I don't know. There's maybe a a metaphor there. I'm not sure, but my first key (laughs) is clean defense and in particular who can make uh sure that they don't make any mistakes and if they do who can avoid the spiral because especially with Oklahoma we've talked about this I know I've talked about it on various platforms Oklahoma I've never seen a team like Oklahoma that can kill you for one mistake if you commit an error and my broadcast partner Tom Canterbury says it all the time you might as well just walk off the field because they're going (laughs) to score four runs if you commit an error. So clean defense to me is the biggest key here. If Florida state makes mistakes in the field, which they don't do a lot, but if they do, uh, it's going to be darn near impossible for them to win. Yeah. So that, that's what we were referred to with gray is stop the bleeding. So who's, yes. who's the one that can stop the bleeding uh, the, the quickest. Uh, I agree with you there. We're, uh, we're calling just... a new stat points off turnovers who can avoid the most points off turnovers allowed. Yeah. I think it's to stop the bleeding stat. So um, also I'm going to go with 
timely hitting. So when there's runners in scoring position, who can get that timely hit? So keeping an eye on when there are runners in scoring position, uh, who is able to bring them across? Again, I know it sounds simple, but it's tough here, and it's tough to do on on the biggest stage in college softball. So timely hitting, uh, who's going to be able to bring in runners that are in scoring position? I think that'll be keys to the game today. Yeah. And then I think the last one, Tara, and you can expand on this. I feel like it's, it's when to pull a pitcher, you know, coaches always say, I've talked to many over the years who've said that the toughest part of their job is pitching changes. And I think in particular for Florida state, that is going to be the toughest part of this for Lonnie Alameda. When do you pull somebody? When do you make a change? When do you start to sense that things might be getting a little shaky? You can make the same argument for Patty Gasso. It's a very fundamentally sound Florida State team. And there might be a moment where you have to change from ball to Nicole May. And it's not a bad change. Nicole May is certainly very, very good. But you've got to be confident and comfortable whenever you make a pitching change in the champ series because you do it too early or too late. And that could be the difference in a game. I agree with you, Gray. And in the presser, the press conference earlier this week with Lonnie Alameda and Kat Senderkoff, uh, they talked about how this entire season, they she made sure that Kat was able to start a game. She was able to go in at the third inning. She's able to go in the fourth inning. She's able to close. So it was a really uncomfortable experience with her just getting her to used to that because, you know, at the end of the day, pitchers want to start. They want the ball. They always want the ball. And this was a process that they've gone through the entire season and it was tough and it wasn't easy, but she's gotten to the point where that entire staff, anybody can go in at any time because they're used to it uh, and they are a true staff. So I do think taking a look at, we might see a weird pitching uh, change and we might see, you know, Reed come in for two batters or we might see her come in for five batters or might see Mac Leonard come in for, two strikes like it, it comes to the point where it's that outrageous right so I think that it will be a, a key to watch and keep an eye on during this entire championship series because it's really difficult to get through that OU offense one time through the lineup so I do think we're going to see uh, a ton of arms in the circle unless Cat is absolutely dealing uh, for the Knowles but I think we're going to see uh, a ton of arms this this series. Yeah, it's all about the win, and you just gotta you gotta trust your plan. You gotta trust your plan. You gotta trust your players. You made that plan for a reason. I think the same goes for OU, as we've said. And I think Tara, in a year where it has felt like OU has dominated, there have been some tight games. I've had to make some comebacks this year, and this feels like a FSU team that is built to push the Sooners. Uh, I'm not sure that every team that could have been playing in this championship can say that, but. I'm very confident that we're going to get some excitement here in this champ series. And I can't wait. Oh, I agree with you. And I, and they've got it all. Like you said, is OU offense having to prepare for five or six arms is very different than having to prepare for one. So that's just a lot of information is, and as Nicole Mendez said earlier on the podcast, they do prepare for each pitcher. They do know what they're throwing. They do have a plan. So it just makes it a little bit more difficult uh, when you're a hitter and like I said, we've been talking about this all season long. I'm not surprised that it's going to be Florida State uh, versus OU tonight uh, for game one of the championship series. And just wish both these teams, they've been a pleasure to watch all season long. Uh, fun teams to watch and wishing them both the best of luck tonight. And hopefully it's a good show. 
All right, Tara, before we sign off, what's on D1? What What is on the site right now? What can the people go and check out on the wonderful URL that is D1softball.com? Well, there's there's a really cool scouting piece that Rhiannon Podkey did with Sam Fisher and, and Danielle O'Toole, really breaking down both teams, which uh, you should check out. We've got incredible Women's College World Series galleries. We've got a, a photographer on site in Crash Game, and he's been just killing it uh, in the photography section. Obviously, we've got stories up on, on Kennedy. We've got game recaps, and uh, I'll be over on NCA.com, I think, in seven minutes or no. I think at uh, 12 p.m. Uh, Pacific, which is 3 p.m. Eastern. So yes. and NCA.com. Uh, thank you, Kelly, our producer, just get, helping me out here. 3 p.m. Eastern. I'll be over on NCA.com with Sydney Cheryl uh, from Florida State. We did a little interview with her. So that will be fun for you all to head on over to watch. Uh, but yes, to the site, Transfer Portal. It's transfer season. And oh, it's wild. Boy. It's wild, folks. Uh, so if you want to know who's going where and who's leaving, uh, we've got it for you over on D1Sample.com. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, podcast 20, 20% off of an annual subscription. I <laughs> utilize the uh, transfer tracker all the time. Shout out to Brady Vernon, who is constantly doing everything that he needs to do to keep that up to date. I keep a list of the key transfers in my notes app, Tara. It's never been this long. <laughs> I mean, the season's not even over yet, and I'm having to... Like I'm getting carpal tunnel trying to scroll down my phone to get to the bottom of the list. Oh, absolutely. And it's every day, Gray. I mean, we're getting new names in every day. And so, um, yeah, if you're into that, we've got it for you. So transfer transfer tracker with Brady Vernon, obviously Graham Hayes, incredible writer Graham Hayes has got some some amazing stories. And I, I think you should go back and read up on the pitching story. I know we keep pushing it, but it's incredible and gives you an idea of how Lonnie actually manages that pitching staff over at Florida State. So that's up there. Uh, as well. Absolutely. Thank you to Nicole Mendez for joining the show. Thank you to our producer, Kelly Higby behind the scenes, rocking and rolling Tara champ series game one. Let's go. Let's do this. I'll be on site. Um, If anybody has any questions or uh, needs anything, I have stickers too. So if you're in Oklahoma city, come find me. I've got some D one softball stickers. And I'm realizing I left mine in Tuscaloosa and forgot to bring them to you. That's okay. I'll do it next year. Uh, and there's there's actually now uh, D1 softball merchandise. Uh, so uh, head on over and purchase a hat or a Women's College World Series limited edition uh, merchandise. Look at that. Wow. Looks Ooh. fancy. <laughs> I've got mine so, on the way. OTW, as the kids say. So all is well. I'm it. excited, Tara. Uh, this has been a great show. Thank you to you. Uh, I'm sure we will reconvene very soon to, to chat about all the action. Yeah, if you all want us to jump on tomorrow, we can potentially jump on tomorrow before uh, tomorrow's game. So just let us know on social if this is uh, beneficial to y'all, and and Gray and I will make it happen. Absolutely. For my partner, Tara Henry, I'm Gray Robertson. Champ Series tonight, Game 1, Florida State and Oklahoma. Should be a blast. Can't wait to watch it. Thank you so much for tuning in to the D1 Softball Podcast. See you next time.